to Moving Forward with Young Voices here on the Fed by Ravens Media Network. Very happy to welcome Elise Amadro to the program. Um, and Elise, tell us just a little bit about yourself. Hi, Brian. It's great to be on the show. Um, my name is Elise. I uh, work in healthcare policy in the Washington, D.C. area. And actually, my background is in business. So that's kind of how I came to healthcare policy is through the lens of business. And I'm looking at a piece that uh, was published in the Orlando Sentinel that you wrote, Medicare expansion and rising prices hurt the next generation. And, you know, we've all been pretty focused on a lot of health-related stuff and medical-related stuff, but I have to admit, the whole Medicare thing has kind of been on the back burner, you know, compared to all of the the COVID mitigation and all the other efforts. Bring us up to speed. How did this, uh, how did we get to the point where Medicare is needing this expansion? Then talk to us about how uh, this affects uh, prices, uh, not just today, but also into the future. Absolutely. So the question is, is there really a need for Medicare expansion? And I I would argue that we do not need it. But uh, obviously, the, the pandemic has, has made a lot of people very scared about healthcare coverage, and we've wanted to increase coverage for um, all people in the country, which makes a lot of sense. Um, I think focusing on, on Medicare is an interesting solution, knowing that actually every adult uh, 65 and over in this country is eligible uh, for Medicare. And here, what we're really trying to do is simply to further expand a program that is already extremely expensive and is actually slated to be bankrupt. Um, part A, so Medicare has different parts. Um, part A is is a big part of Medicare and it is slated to be um, bankrupt in 2024. And here we're just looking to double down on this program. And this is bad news for the millennials in Generation Z, you point out, because not only is there the question of will it be there when you know when you reach retirement, but uh, you're already being you know socked with the taxes today to pay for it and prop it up you know as far as it will go. Absolutely, that's my biggest concern, and I really want to speak here as a millennial and and speak for my generation. We have little say in this decision. This is something that's going on on Capitol Hill, and most of us should not care um, because we have other things to care about more, perhaps in our young lives. Um, but I do think it's very concerning to see so much, um, so many benefits being added to this program. Like you said, it's currently. Um, costing us a lot of money. Every every person that looks at their paycheck every month sees that a big chunk is going to Medicare. And Medicare, again, because it is going get bankrupt, is not going to be around for us. I am convinced of that. There's um, going to be it need to be a miracle for there to be a Medicare program. So I don't know what my coverage will look like uh, in retirement. I actually have no idea. But I do know that it costs me a lot today, too. And in, in conversely, older um, people who are currently on Medicare think that the that they earn this because they think that they paid enough to to earn what they're getting now. But it's far from from the case, right? In in reality, they get up to eight times as much out of Medicare as what they put in. So we're really subsidizing their care today, and we're not going to have care when we retire. Ah, I'm having trouble with that on a couple of levels. Number one, there's the there's kind of an entitlement mentality, as you point out in your I earned that. You know, the the generations that are that are using it currently. But also, it, it seems like it's creating a debt that is going to fall to your generation as well as Generation Z. Um, and you guys really had no say in whether or not Absolutely. to take on that debt. That seems very unfair just from an intergenerational standpoint. I think unfair is the term. That's really what I'm hitting at here is 
this is already a great program. Medicare is really fantastic. I, I do write, you, you can actually use Medicare Advantage, which is a better form of, form of Medicare. Many, many elderly individuals in this country do not actually have to pay very much per month at all to be on Medicare or anything at all sometimes. And they get great coverage. Some of the things that are in the budget that are gonna be added to Medicare are things like uh, hearing care and dental care and vision care. 90% of, of Medicare enrollees already have those services through um, Medicare Advantage, for instance. And so when we look to add more benefits, not knowing or not, not acknowledging that they're already available, we're making something available for people when it's already there at the cost of, you know, like out of, out of my pocket, out of, of my generation's pocket. And it does really seem unfair. You point out, too, in your article that uh, Medicare has influence on prices throughout the healthcare system. Could you walk us through how, how thanks to two little-known but very uh, prominent groups, the, this uh, affects prices you know, clear across the healthcare spectrum? Yes. So this is the reason I'm bringing this up in my piece is because another part of this budget, and again, I, I do want to mention this, this budget will create over $1.3 trillion worth of healthcare spending, this is far more than Obamacare, which was estimated to be $900 billion. So we're really looking at huge entitlements, um, ad uh, like additional entitlements. But one of them would be to enable the government to negotiate prices, like drug prices uh, for Medicare beneficiaries. And it's all well and good if the government uh, decides to negotiate prices, but why don't they look at the real problem? So m drug prices or drug spending is about 10% of our healthcare spending. But the, the vast majority of our care is actually spent on services like going to the doctor, getting surgery, right, having follow-up appointments and chronic condition management. Those things, um, like you, you just mentioned, the, the way those prices are set is by two groups, and they're, they're both you know, made up of, of people who are actually in the industry. They're insurance companies, and they're people in the, um, in the medical um, establishment. They're doctors and, and you know, um, have the... the the power to decide how much each service is reimbursed. And so they, they make that decision together. They decide, okay, this is how many points or, you know, the value of this service and they assign a, a price to each service and to, to each um, uh, good that can be rendered. And so they actually get to decide how much is spent. So I'd say if you really want to cut prices in healthcare, maybe we should look at this area of, of Medicare that is vastly more important than drug prices. And actually, drug prices have been going down. Prescription drug prices are going down currently, even as we face inflation. But um, the prices of medical goods are going much, much, uh, like, are going up very rapidly. Wow. I got to say, that's that's a little bit disturbing to, to think that uh, they could have this kind of influence. And yet, uh, you know... It, what, what you're describing, where, where the, these prices are being more or less centrally planned, that is exactly the antithesis of what a free market would do. The free market would have uh, whatever competition you know, could be supported within the market, helping to, to find that level that gives the best balance of you know, um, value for cost. Yeah, exactly. And that, that would really be the lesson here. If, if I had to make any major suggestion to the... Um, to, to the, the the bill here, at least just comment on it. All of the additional benefits that are lo we're looking at here are money that's not going to a patient. It's money patients. It's money that's actually going to, uh, again, the industry, whether it's hospitals or insurance companies, uh, insurance companies which have made a lot of money on the ACA, for example, through government subsidies. It's not really 
going all the way to the patients that we're actually in theory trying to help. And so that you're absolutely right. The, the problem is we're subsidizing, um, you know, other entities, but not actually patients. Is there any kind of stomach in Congress right now to to tackle reform or are they committed to business as usual for the foreseeable future? You know, I'm I'm not all that optimistic. I, I do think that those are the, some of the mo- most powerful uh, interest groups uh, between insurance companies and hosp- uh, hospitals and, and, and doctors. And so those are all, uh, you know, under fire. If they become uh, under fire, that will mean um, that there will be repercussions for people's election campaigns and all that. So it, it just makes it very difficult to move the, bo- to move the ball forward um, in those, those areas. So I'm not not all that optimistic. I do find it surprising that pharma, like pharmaceutical companies are getting targeted like this, knowing that they just brought us a vaccine and they're arguably getting people out of hospitals these days with, with treatments. And so when we think about targeting an industry, it just is a little odd that this would make, make the, the bill. Okay. We have been visiting with uh, Elise Amadro. Elise, tell people where they can follow your writing. Actually, you can you can follow it currently on LinkedIn. I'm probably going to set up my website again, but at the moment it is down. So that would be the, the best way to, to look it up. Okay. Thank you so much for spending some time with us today on Moving Forward with Young Voices. Thank you so much.